Hallelujah, hallelujah. What a glorious day, man. I'm telling you, I think I need to put up a tent outside. Let's get outside and have church and bring some hot dogs. And <laughs> Might try that. Might try that one of these days. Amen. It's so good to be in the house of the Lord again this morning. Amen. And we want to pray for our nation. Amen. Again this morning. Amen. That God will continue, Lord, to orchestrate. Amen. His will and His purpose. Amen. For those that has been diagnosed with this coronavirus. Amen. That God will touch and open the doors. And I know a lot of businesses are going to try to get back to having you know, their doors open because a lot of, of our businesses in our communities and around the nation, they need, uh, you know, get back to it. If not, you know, they're going to have to close forever and that's going to hurt the economy more than, you know, anything else. So we want to pray, pray for our nation. I want to pray for our brothers and sisters that are sick and are recovering from our from surgeries, and I know a couple of uh, good pastor friends of mine that has been diagnosed with the coronavirus and stuff, and so we want to pray, amen, that God would touch them and their churches. And I know some of our churches have people that has been diagnosed with it as well, and so we want to pray. We want to pray for our, the church, a whole, all across, amen. No matter the denomination, you know, people needs to have faith and encouragement and be strengthened and strong. So we want to pray for each and every one, our loved ones, our, our children, amen. You know, there's so much, you know, this, this 2020 has been, <laughs> been like a whirlwind to some degree, you know, but we know who's in charge. We know who holds the future. We know who has it all under control. So join with me this morning and call out your loved ones, those you may know this morning. Amen. And ask God to touch. Lord, we thank you. God, you see the needs of your people, and you said in your word of your people which are called by your name would humble themselves and pray and seek your face and turn from their wicked ways, that you would hear from heaven, forgive us of our sins, and heal the land. And we look to you, God, as the author and the finish of our faith, and we know there's nothing impossible for you to do, God. I know that you can heal. I know that you can bind this virus, God. All you have to do is just speak the word, oh God, and it's out of here. And I ask you, Lord God, to just do that today, Lord, that you would touch this situation, oh God. In our nation today, Lord, I pray for our pastors. I pray for their saints. I pray for their churches, God. Again, that you would touch in every place, that you would give them wisdom and knowledge and understanding, O oh God. I pray, Father, that you would root out all wickedness and evil of the land today, O oh God. All unrighteousness, all prejudice, all racism, anything that's not like you, God. I ask that you wiped it out, O oh God. Uh, you died for everyone, God. You gave your life for every soul, every child, Lord God, uh, every person, Lord. And all lives matter to you, O oh God. And we thank you today, Lord Jesus, for your loving kindness. And, and we thank you for your 
of tender mercies, oh God. Uh, and I pray for our church family, and I pray for my brothers and sisters. Uh, oh God, no matter their race, their color, their creed, uh, oh God, no matter, I love them all, Lord Jesus, the way that you love me. Uh, and I thank you, Jesus, again today. Lord, let your love spread abroad across this nation. Let your love spread abroad across, uh, oh God, the world today, Lord Jesus. Uh, touch us today, God. Heal today. Deliver, set free today, God. Break every chain, break every doubt, uh, break every fear, God, every spirit of anxiety. Oh, God, don't let your people fear, oh, God. Don't let them weary, oh, God. Let them stay strong in the Lord, in the power of your might, oh, God. Let them keep on the whole arm of God that they're able to stand against the wiles of the devil, O oh God. Let their loins be girded with truth. Let the breastplate of righteousness be upon them. Let their feet be shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Give them the shield of faith this morning, O oh God. Heaven of salvation, O oh God, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Give them counsel, O oh God. Give them wisdom. Give them might. Give them power. Give them anointing. Anointing, O oh God, a fresh anointing today, God, in their heart and in their mind and in their soul. Strengthen them, God, and bless them, Lord, today. Those in the nursing homes today, set a hedge of protection and a healing. Those are in the hospital. Let your wholeness flow, God, I pray. Touch today, God. Lift up. You be the God of heaven. You be the God of earth, O oh God. Work your miraculous power. Oh, God, you've lifted up many already, uh, and I know you can lift up each and every one that's sick uh, with this virus. Oh, God, I've been diagnosed with this virus, uh, and I know you can heal. I know you can move fear. You said, oh, God, uh, that you have not given us a spirit of fear, but you've given us power, you've given us love, and you've given us a sound mind. So I pray that your people will not sit at home and be fearful, oh, God, of this pandemic. Uh, but they will trust in the Lord. They will not lean to their own understanding. They will trust you. They will walk uh, by faith and not by sight. They will not lean to their own understanding. But all of their ways, they will acknowledge you, that you will direct their paths. Oh, God, I pray for our businesses in our cities and our townships. God, open the door for our businesses, oh, God, with protection, oh, God, with righteousness. Uh, touch them today, God. Uh, I pray, Lord, that you make a way for each and every one, God. Those that are traveling, Lord God, our military men and women, protect them, God. Uh, Lord, I pray against the evil that comes against our military men and women. Oh, God, I pray against the evil of those that try to call harm to our military men and women. Oh, God, in our nation, oh, God, uh, that does not treat them right. You bind that enemy, oh, God. You bind that evil spirit, oh, God, that's against our military men and women in this nation. Uh, I know you can do it, God. Shut the mouth uh, of the lying lines, oh God. Uh, shut the mouths of the evil politicians. Uh, shut the mouths, oh God, of the evil people that are speaking in this nation. Shut their mouths, uh, oh God, again today of every evil news media. Shut their mouths, oh God, uh, I pray today in the name of Jesus. Uh, in the name of Jesus. Jesus, I pray. Oh, God, let your perfect will be done. Let every pastor preach uh, the undulterated word of God. Uh, let every one of them that goes to the pulpit uh, preach.
preach the truth of the Word of God, that they will stand on the Word of God. If they're not going to preach the Word of God, then take them out of the pulpit. Let your will be done. I've seen in your words you've taken them down, God, and I know you can take them down again. I call to you to honor your Word today. Do as your Word says, God, that you will do, God. Show yourself strong in this land. Show yourself strong. Show who you are, God. Show them that you're still God and you still sit on the throne. And I look to you today to honor your word, Father, as you said you would do it. And I know, God, your word will not fail. It will accomplish that which you sent it to do. And I thank you today in the precious, precious, precious name of Jesus. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah. And I know that there are angels. Yes, sorry. Mm. Hallelujah. So let us praise. Come on, let's praise Jesus. Jesus now. For we are standing in his presence on holy ground. Oh, we are standing, oh, we're standing on holy ground. Hallelujah, hallelujah. And I know that there are angels all around. Let us praise, oh, let's praise Jesus now. For we are standing in his presence on holy ground. We are standing, oh, we're standing on holy ground. And I know that there are angels all around. Do you feel them today? <laughs> let us praise. Oh, let's praise Jesus now. For we are standing in His presence on holy ground. 
Come on, let's just praise him for the music played this morning. Jesus, we praise you. God, we thank you so much for your goodness. We thank you so much for your kindness. We thank you for your tender mercies and love, oh God. If it had not been for you on our side, God, where would we be? But God, you look beyond our faults. You saw our needs this morning, oh God. You woke us this morning. You put us in our right mind and in our right thoughts. And you says, fear not, I am with you. Be not dismayed. I am your God. I will help you. Yea, I will uphold you with the right hand of my power, saying, fear not. We stand on your word today, God. We stand in awe of your mercy. We stand in awe of your goodness. We stand in awe of your righteousness and holiness and purity of mine. I thank you, Jesus, that I have another opportunity, God, to say thank you so much for your healing touch, for your raising us up. You got us in our right mind and clothed us in righteousness. Oh, yes. I thank you, Jesus. Oh, and I want to praise you more, God. I want to praise you while I have any being. I want to thank you, Lord God, for being so good to me. I want to thank you, Lord, for looking beyond my faults. And thank you again, Jesus. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name. Praise God. Praise God. Oh, we are standing on holy ground, and I know that there are angels all around. Oh, yes. Do you feel them? Oh, yes. Let us praise. Oh, let's praise Jesus now. For we are standing in His presence on holy ground. One more time. Oh, we are standing. Oh, we're standing. On holy ground, and I know that there are angels all around. Let us praise, oh, let's praise our Jesus now. For we are standing in His presence on holy ground. God, I'm thankful. I'm thankful, Lord, that we're standing in Your presence. I'm thankful, Lord, that we're standing in Your grace. I'm thankful that we're standing on Your mercies, O oh God. I am thankful, Lord Jesus. I'm thankful. Oh, you're worthy, God. You're so worthy. You're so worthy, Jesus. You're so worthy. Hallelujah. Oh, thank you. 
Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Oh, God, you're so worthy. You're so worthy. Oh, Jesus, you're good to us, Lord. You're so worthy of all my praise. You're so worthy of all my honor. And I thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Jesus, you're worthy, God. You're worthy. Thank you, Jesus. In the name of Jesus, how wonderful you are. How wonderful you are, God. You are Lord, my God. You are God and God alone. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, I bless your name, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Well, down at the cross where my Savior died, down where from cleansing from sin I cried, there to my heart was the blood applied. Glory to His name. I'm singing glory to His name. Glory to His name. You know there to my heart was the blood applied. Glory to His name. Well, I am so wondrously saved from sin. Jesus so sweetly abides within. There at the cross where He took me in. Glory to His name. I'm singing glory to His name. Oh, glory to His name. There to my heart was the blood applied. Glory to His name. Oh, precious fountain that saves from sin. I am so glad I have been turned in. There Jesus saves me and keeps me clean. Glory to His name. I'm singing glory to His name. Oh, glory to His name. There to my heart was the blood applied. Glory to His name. Come to this fountain so rich and sweet. Cast aboard soul at the Savior's feet. Plunge into day and be made complete. Glory to His name. I'm singing glory to His name. Glory to His name. There to my heart was the blood applied. 
Glory to His name. I'm singing glory to His name. Glory to His name. There to my heart was the blood applied. Glory to His name. God, we give you glory. God, we give you honor. We give you thanks. We give you praise. Uh, Hallelujah, Jesus. I thank you, Jesus. Uh, Thou art worthy, O Lord. Praise God. He's worthy. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. You may be seated. We want our missions director to come at this time. Today is global missions. Amen. And I'm excited about missions.
Amen. Thank you so much, Sister Linda. Amen. For our missions update. Amen. God is great. He's going to do great things always. Amen. That's the church's heartbeat is missions. Amen. To carry the gospel to the whole world in your neighborhood. Amen. Right in your schools. Amen. You can share the gospel. Amen. With others on your job. That loving kindness that you show forth will touch hearts. Amen of people, and they will come to know Jesus like you know him, and then you'll be excited, birthing new children into the kingdom. Praise God. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. Amen. we got one more song, and then our evangelist is going to come and minister to us today. Amen. He's going to open up the box of worms here. Amen. Feed us all. Amen. Praise God. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. Acapella. <laughs> Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. Well, the mighty God is Jesus. The Prince of Peace is He. The everlasting Father. The King eternally. The wonderful in wisdom by whom all things were made. The fullness of the Godhead in Jesus is displayed. I tell you, it's all in Him. It's all in Him. The fullness of the Godhead is all in Him. It's all in Him. It's all in Him. The mighty God is Jesus and is all in Him. Emmanuel, God is with us. Jehovah, Lord of hosts. The omnipresent spirit who fills the universe. The advocate, the high priest, the lamp for sinner slain. The author of redemption, oh glory to his name, I tell you, it's all in him, it's all in him. The fullness of the Godhead is all in him, it's all in him, it's all in him. The money God is Jesus and is all in Him. They Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. The living word incarnate, the helpless sinner friend. Our wisdom and perfection, our righteousness and power. Yea, all you need is Jesus. You find this very hour, I tell you, it's all in Him. It's all in Him. The fullness of the Godhead is all in Him. It's all in Him. It's all in Him. The mighty God is Jesus and is all in Him. Our God for whom we waited will be a glad refrain of Israel's recreated when Jesus comes again. Lo, He will come and save us, our King and Priest to be. 
For in Him dwell all boldness. And Lord of all is He. I tell you, it's all in Him. It's all in Him. The fullness of the Godhead is all in Him. It's all in Him. It's all in Him. The mighty God is Jesus and is all in Him. Hallelujah, Jesus. Oh, I praise you, God. I praise you. I praise you. Lord, I worship you, God. I thank you again, God, for your goodness, for your mercy, for your blessings, for your truth, oh God. You alone are worthy to be praised, God, and I thank you. Praise God. Amen. While you're standing, I want Brother DeMuth to come and minister the Word of God. Adjustments here. In Jesus' name. It's all about making adjustments. God's getting us... Um, I'm going to quote somebody who did a really awesome, I heard about anyway, uh, little session for our ladies. It's all about getting out of our comfort zone. Amen? And if you read your Bible any in any way, shape, manner, or form like I do, and I read it a lot, um, that's all God ever did was get his people out of their comfort zone. He didn't let them get comfortable. Because when we get comfortable, we start letting up and and all those kind of things. So um, can we just love the Lord right now just for a minute? Lord, we love you right now. Father, we honor you. We bless you. We, we worship you. We magnify you. We glorify you. It's you and you that we live and move and have our being today, Father. We are your workmanship created in Christ Jesus under good works. We are yours, Father. We belong to you, Father. You are our heavenly Father, and we are your sons, O oh God, and we are your royal sons, O oh God. We wear your royal robe of righteousness today. It's all because of you today. In Jesus' name, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. I'm so thankful for Sheaves for Christ. And I can tell you that if it wasn't for Sheaves for Christ, there wouldn't have been a man of God there in that place where I was that was not in this country. Uh, and so I thank God for Sheaves for Christ. I and my wife and my sons... And by extension, all my grandkids are all a product of, and, and we are in this truth and in this way today because of Sheaves for Christ, putting a man of God there and giving them a vehicle and a washing machine and all the things that Sheaves for Christ did for them so that they could be there. Amen. How many are thankful for the man of God that was there when you, when, I, I almost said when you found Jesus, but he wasn't lost. <laughs> You were. Amen. And so when he found you, wherever it was you were, God had made a way through other people's giving and, and all of this that we're talking about so that there could be a man of God there at that point in time where your two, your two tracks met. Amen. And so you might not be a product of She's for Christ today, but you're a product of the gospel. And somebody had to pave the way and make the way and pay the way. For somebody to be somewhere in some town, some city, on a ship, or wherever it was, so that you could hear the gospel. 
and be saved. Amen? Amen. And so you see how this whole thing kind of just keeps keeps going full circle. So it's up to us, amen, to take that baton from the ones that ran before us. And we got to keep running this race. We got to keep giving, giving it back, giving it back, giving it back. My friend, brother, uh, D.G. Hargrove in Dallas, Texas, has taken on this this whole mindset of he's going to give something away every day. God told him to do that. And, and it started back when I was in Texas. I, there were some things that happened that, that involved me directly, that he was giving things away, and I didn't understand it at the time, but but he's, he's talked about it since then. And he, he intentionally gives something away every day. And he said the blessings that come back from that, not just financial, but so many blessings come back from that, and so we've got to give it away. God, anything that we have, where did we get it? This is not my message, but it came from God, didn't it? If you believe that God is real, if you believe that he is and he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him, then you have to believe that everything that you have, including your life, health, and breath, and peace, and joy, and all those things came from him. And so it's not ours to hang on to. I say this a lot when I get up here, and the scripture says it. I just repeat it. Freely you have received. Freely give. Amen. You, you can't out. You, you can't give enough stuff away that God's not going to just keep taking care of you. Amen. He, prove it. Prove it for yourself. I've already proved it. And I'm proving it every day. I don't stop. Just say, okay, well, I've proved that now. I'm just going to start hoarding it to myself. No. I got to keep, I got to keep doing it every day. God is so good. Amen. He said that about being an evangelist. And, you know, the thought that occurred to my head is if that's what God wants to use me for right now, then so be it. Because I'm not my own. And it's I'm his vessel. Whatever he wants to pour into me, however method he wants to use me to do whatever it is he wants me to do. Paul said, I became all things to all men. And he didn't do that just because Paul felt like doing it. He did that because he was directed to do that. And so we are here today, amen, not by accident and hopefully by choice, but, amen, God has brought us here, amen. And we've heard some good word up to this point, and I pray that, that God will use me to speak a word to somebody today. I believe he will. I'm putting my confidence and faith and trust in him, and I'm going to let him speak to, to you what he has said to me. Amen. If we could turn in our Bibles this morning to the book of 1 Corinthians, chapter 2, verse 1 and 2. 1 Corinthians 2, verse 1 and 2. Amen. I'll give you a minute to get there. If you're there, say amen. If you're getting there, say amen. (laughs) Praise God. We're not in a hurry, are we? There's no real (laughs) Half the restaurants are still closed. So, not in a hurry to go anywhere. Amen. And I, brethren, when I came to you, Paul speaking to the church at Corinth, and by extension to the church, the body of Christ that we are part of today, right? Because his word is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And it's it, it wasn't just for then, it's for now. I, brethren, when I came to you, came not with excellency of speech or of, of wisdom, and I inserted the word in there, human, because that's what he's talking about, human wisdom. Declaring unto you the testimony of God. For I determined 
to know. Everybody say to know. Any, to not know, not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Father, thank you for your good word today, for your spirit and power, for your wisdom and authority, for your dominion, Lord, for all that you're doing and will do in this place today and that you're doing in the future. Father, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You can be seated this morning. Amen. And by the way, God is not on lockdown. I just wanted to tell you all, in case you didn't know that, he is not on quarantine. He is not on lockdown. He's still moving. He's still operating. Like Sister Linda said, he is still filling people with the Holy Ghost. This is not, he allowed this to take place. How many believes that? He allowed this to take place, just like he allowed the people of Israel to be taken into bondage for 400 years. He allowed that. He didn't just, they didn't just go into bondage and God wrung his hands for 400 years and said, woe is me, what am I going to do? He didn't do that. That was a part of his plan. Even though his own people were crying out to him for being in bondage, he heard them. He heard him. He knows what he's doing. If you really believe that, then you just have to believe that what's going on right now, the riots and all that stuff, is for, is God's business. Did not did God not? This is not even. Did did He allow wickedness for a season on the earth at times? He absolutely did. He let His own people get bit by snakes. He allowed the Babylonians to be his tool to take his people and put them in bondage again for 70 years. He allowed that. Those, he, if you read your Bible, it says that, that, that the Babylonian army was his tool. In context, that's what it's saying. And so everything that's going on, don't, you know, I, I, you know, I'm like you. I, I see this stuff and I hear about this stuff and I have to remind myself. I have to just shake myself and say, God said this was going to happen and he may very well be allowing it. But what did he tell us to do? To look up, to be watchful. When you see all this stuff happening, when you see all this turmoil and all this pandemic and all this stuff, just don't worry. Look up and be watchful. We got a book. We got a word that tells us this stuff's going to happen. So, you know, we, we could almost get excited about all this stuff because, you know, what if it's in the plan of God for this country to fall? Think about that for a minute. Think about that for a minute. I, I haven't studied it deeply enough to, to tell you one way or the other, but I'm just asking myself questions like that lately. What if? What if it's God's will and part of God's plan for the last day harvest and revival to be that this country, the greatest country that's ever been on the face of this earth, the only superpower in this world right now to fall? What if that has to happen for God's will to be done? Would you want to stop it if that was the will of God? I wouldn't. Is it going to be comfortable? 
But you know, if you read, and especially in the New Testament, God did his greatest work in the midst of persecution. Okay? So you better, and we better, and I better know that we know that we know that we know that we believe this. Because you're going to be confronted. You know, we read about that, and, and there's that organization called, uh, what is it called? Um, uh, it, it's an organization, they write, they write a magazine about all these persecuted people, persecuted Christians all over the world, and these people that are just beaten literally half to death because they walked away from their family's religion to become a Christian. Yeah, talking about the voice of the martyrs, that's it. Voice of the martyrs, thank you. And we read about that, and that's so far away from where we are. But what if that happened to you? What if you had to face that? We better start thinking. <laughs> I mean, it is just, <clears throat> if you don't think that, that, that Jesus is coming soon, then <clears throat> I don't know what to tell you. Amen. Let's try to get into what I'm supposed to be saying, I think. So the focus of this scripture when, when the Lord dropped this on my heart was where it says, for Paul saying, for I determined not to know anything save Jesus Christ and him crucified. There's a lot there. That's a very powerful statement that Paul is making. When you look at the whole big picture of who Paul is, was, you have to realize that that's just not just a, a passing statement. You can't just kind of gloss over that and just keep going. I don't. You know, I stop when I see stuff like that and I go, wait, wait, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. Why did Paul say that? What's the backstory behind why Paul said that? Because God was having Paul say these things, but there was a reason. God's always got a reason. You know, and it's been said that knowledge is power. You've heard that before. And having knowledge can empower an individual to do great things, and it can also empower someone to do very wicked and evil things. You know, I can, I'm sure that many dictatorial type people have come to your mind right now that had great power and great influence and great authority, and they used it to wicked ends. But that same power ultimately destroyed them, right? Because they're just in a history book now, right? None of us are speaking German right now, right? There was a, there was, you don't, you don't, you might not know this if you're younger, but there was a real fear in this country that we might speak German. There really was back during World War. There was a real fear that we could all end up speaking German if, if that man had had his way. Would have been allowed to have his way. And that, that's not, that's no joke. People really thought they were going to end up speaking German. And so knowledge is power and power, power is a great thing if it's used wisely. And knowledge is a great thing if it's used the right way. Knowledge for knowledge's sake though can be a dangerous thing. As a Pharisee, Paul was very knowledgeable about the Mosaic law and the practices and traditions of Judaism. What was Judaism? That was the religion that was taught and followed by the Jews. But it was not 
It wasn't the original Mosaic law. It was a Judaism had come out of that 70 years of, of Israel being in bondage again in, in Babylon. And, and Judaism was kind of a, a creation of the Jewish people. And it, it had a lot of different elements to it that had nothing to do with the Mosaic law. But it's the way they followed, and, and it was the things that Paul was taught as a young man. And he went to all the best schools, and he, he strived, and he, he desired to be the best Jew that he could be, and the best Pharisee that he could be, and, and there was nothing wrong with that. But those Jews, those, those religious Jews, those Pharisees and Sadducees and scribes, they had a, a level of power and authority and influence with people in their communities in that day. And you could be, you could be excommunicated, if you will, from the synagogue, and that was the greatest fear of many Jews was being being kicked out of the synagogue. And so they kind of did whatever those religious leaders told them to do. And Paul had that kind of power as a young man. And when you're young like that and impetuous and, and you you don't understand how to how to manifest that properly and control it, it can get a it can get a hold of you and it can cause you to really do some things that that you don't even think about. And that's what exactly what happened with Paul. Paul was so zealous. He was so full of that knowledge of those Jewish religious traditions and the, the traditions of the Father, as the Bible calls them. And he was so full of that. And he thought, he really sincerely thought he was doing right by his religious traditions, by his religious teachings. He really, really, really sincerely thought he was doing right. And there's lots of people in this world today that are like Paul. They really think that what they're doing, the cause that they stand for is right and true, and they're, and they're 100%, 110% behind it. But the truth of the matter is, they're wrong. And they're way, way off base. But you can't tell them that. And what did Paul do? I just made reference to the persecution of the church, was, which was the greatest time for the church. And God allowed Paul to be used as a vessel. God didn't stand back and, and shudder and think, oh, my goodness, Paul's out there now. Now what do I do? No, he didn't do that. He was allowing this to happen. Why? Why was he allowing this persecution to happen? And why was Paul being used as the vessel to do it? Because the church was getting in their comfort zone. And he wanted them to scatter. He wanted this gospel to be scattered. Yet they did a great job after the day of Pentecost. They went from house to house breaking bread and having fellowship together with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily such a shirt should be saved. And later on in the book of Acts, it talks about the church multiplied. And they were doing great for a while, but then they kind of started getting comfortable. And so the Lord had to cause something to happen to allow something to happen to scatter the church. And they were still meeting from house to house. <laughs> I guarantee you they weren't going anywhere near the synagogue when Paul got on his high horse, so to speak. And the Bible says that Paul went from house, he went to houses hailing men and women. He went to, he went to their houses. Where do you think they were meeting? In their houses. 
He went right in their house. Could that happen today? Could they come and not even knock on your door, just knock it down and come in and take you because you're one of them? I'm not trying to scare anybody here. I'm just trying to get us to think. Because this is what the church, which we are the church, right? Same church. We're the same body of Christ that they were, even though they're all dead and gone. We're still part of that body. And so God allowed Paul to come and persecute the church with all of this wisdom and all this knowledge and all these traditions that he had. He was zealous and he was doing the will of God in his mind. And from the standpoint of of following after Judaism and all that, he wasn't really doing the will of God. But in another sense, he really was doing the will of God. He just didn't understand that that he the way he thought he was doing the will of God, if you follow what I'm saying. He was being used as a tool. He just didn't know it yet. And so that 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 knowledge and desire and that desire that was in him to do those things just was a was probably in in a way going to destroy him like it did world leaders today that we that made reference to so in in Paul's knowing cuz knowing things and knowing how to do things and having knowledge of things is good right it's good to know what you got to do when you slip all that gear on to go scuba diving right you, you can't just say, I think I'll go scuba diving today, and you've never taken a class, and you, and you, but you've seen somebody do it. And so you have that knowledge, and you, you, well, all I, I know all you gotta do is put that gear on your back, and you just gotta put that thing on your face, and, and all you gotta do is breathe in and out when you go, right? I mean, it's simple, right? No, it's not. It's not. That's why you, they make you take a class. Because there are things that you should and should not do. If you're going to do it properly, right? So knowing how, knowing about something is not the same as having knowledge of it and even having knowledge of it, right? You can become so smart that you just, you can start missing things, you know? So knowledge in and of itself is good, but knowledge can be dangerous. And so this knowledge that Paul had was dangerous and in Paul's life, he, what he didn't realize was he was so sorely lacking that it, that it was pitiful. He was lacking. He knew who this Jesus was, right? Is, it, is that good enough to just know who he is? Is it? Well, I know who Jesus is. Yeah, he's that, he's that guy that died on the cross, right? I know who Jesus is. Is that good enough? It's not just good enough to have knowledge of who he is, but to know him. And so Paul was just on his way to do what he thought was the will of God one day. And and lo and behold, there was a bright sun and, and Paul found himself on the ground and blind and, and he started hearing a voice. And it was the voice of God, this religious Jew was hearing, and what was his response? Who art thou, Lord? And that word Lord to a Jew meant supreme one, 
So Paul recognized who it was that was speaking to him because he knew it was either him or the devil, and he was hoping it was God. So that's why he responded, Who art thou, Lord? I hope it's God. And what did he say? He said, I am Jesus, you whom thou persecutest. You, do, you thought you knew who I was, Paul, but you didn't know, have a clue who I was. So now I'm telling you who I am. And that's what he had said to the Jews for all those years. Whenever he used the words, I am, they just went nuts and pulled their hair out and ripped their clothes. And Because what was he saying to them? I am God. You've read that before in the New Testament where they would just throw dirt in the air and just get all mad and, oh, he's blasphemed now. He's calling himself God. Well, Paul was getting a quick lesson on who Jesus was. And, you know, it's amazing to me when I got filled with the Holy Ghost and baptized in Jesus' name, something happened. There was an almost an immediate something changed and and I'm telling you God immediately at that moment when he told Paul what he needed to do Paul do you think Paul fought back he's already blind he already got knocked to the ground he already heard a voice and had to be led to this house Paul started paying attention because you see all that knowledge that he had he he knew some some of the scriptures from the Old Testament about this Jesus, and he knew. Some of that stuff started, I think, some of that stuff started coming back into his mind, and he's going, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Isaiah 9 and 6, doesn't that, you know, and he just started going through all this stuff in his mind, and I think, what I think happened is that God, like he did for me, like he did for you, he placed a desire in Paul that had never been there before. Paul had always desired to be the best Jew and the best Pharisee and all these things. And there's nothing wrong with desire like that. But Paul got a new desire placed in him by God. And I think that, and we know that Paul didn't eat anything or drink anything for three days. And I just think that Paul was just so deeply meditating on what had just happened and, and all these things that had just happened in his life. He just could not, he couldn't fathom it. He couldn't understand it. And he was probably saying, okay, 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 please help me understand what's going on here. Because God had a different plan for Paul. And God wanted a relationship. That's all he ever wants. He wants a relationship. Why do you think he created mankind? We were, we were created to have a relationship with our creator. And so Paul, I just think that Paul started immediately into that relationship with God. And he wasn't saying a whole lot, I don't think. I think he was doing a lot of listening. And uh, can I borrow this? He, was, he took out his big can of shut up and he was using it. Or that from ladies, right? He took out his can of shut up. Because Paul had been just very vehement and very vocal and very, and all of a sudden Paul wasn't like that anymore. Do you, do you remember that change that came over you? Something, 
You couldn't explain it. I still can't explain it to this day, to be quite honest with you. But something's different. And even my family noticed it, and they still notice it, and they still know something's different. And I want it to stay that way. I don't want to go back to the old way. And all that religious knowledge didn't mean a hill of beans to Paul at that point. Amen? So it's not just about knowing who Jesus is. It's about knowing him. It's about that word knowing speaks of a relationship in one place, uh, several places in the New Testament. That word knowing is speaking of like a marital relationship where a husband and wife consummate their marriage. It's that intimate. That's that's to the level of intimacy that he wants to be with his body. Because we are, after all, what? The body of Christ. We're not the head, are we? (laughs) There's one head. And the head pretty much controls the body, doesn't it? So if we're the body and he's the head then we we ought to have a a love relationship with our head, shouldn't we? (laughs) Is that getting too technical for some? (laughs) But it's it's knowing him. You know, those seven sons of Sceva, they tried to use the name of Jesus because they knew about Jesus, right? And they were trying to use the name of Jesus for their own gain or whatever. And, And what did those devils say? They said, well, Paul we know, and Jesus we know. (laughs) We don't know who you are. What did that mean? The devils weren't pals, and they weren't fishing buddies with Paul and Jesus. That's not what that, that, that meant. Because of the power and authority that that was wielded, if you will, by Paul and Jesus, that's why the devil knew who Paul and Jesus were. These guys were just misusing the name of Jesus. They didn't know. They didn't have a relationship with Jesus. They had not been given, allowed, they had not been allowed to use the authority of Jesus by Jesus himself. They were just wielding it because it was, they saw somebody else doing it. And so it's, it's important. It was important. Paul understood this. It was important to know Jesus in what what I would call and others have called a in a, in a, a proper relationship, I guess you could call it. Amen. And so we we've got to just like Paul. Paul's desire changed. Paul began to do things very differently, and in one place in the Bible it says that he was—he basically went out in the wilderness for three years, and he just studied, and he just—I think—I think what happened was he spent a whole lot of time in prayer, because what is prayer? It's not just some exercise that we go through, is it? Right? We, we don't just punch a clock, right? Prayer is a is a conversation. It's it's me bringing my needs to God, and then it's me listening to God and see what he has to say. And usually what I find is that what he has to say 
is a whole lot more important than what I have to say. So, so I try to let him talk first. Okay. I mean, I, I enter into prayer and I let, and I acknowledge that I, that I, without him, I'm nothing and I can do nothing and I'm, 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 I'm the branch and he's the vine and all those things. But then after I kind of get that, you know, that, that I, re, I don't remind God, but I remind myself of my place, then I just wait for him to speak. And that can be a long time sometimes of silence. Right? But what's the rush if you're in a relationship with somebody? Right? When when my wife and I met, we were both in the military, and we lived on different floors of a barracks building, and that was by design. <clears throat> Females lived on one floor. The males were on another side. And so we would meet in the middle just to spend time with each other. That was the only time we could have together. And we cherished every moment of that time. Just standing in a stairwell for a date. But you, for, to us, that was what, that was good enough. That was, we were developing our relationship with each other in that, in those simple moments in a stairwell. It wasn't what we wanted. It wasn't what we really desired. We wanted to go out, but we, because of restrictions and things on trainees, we couldn't. So we just did what we could. But it didn't matter, right? It didn't matter if we had to talk over the phone and just hear each other's breath. The important thing was that we got to spend time together. And that's what Jesus wanted was Paul's time. And Paul gave everything to Jesus. Amen? He did. He did. In Acts chapter 23... Excuse me, Acts chapter 26. Paul is talking to, I believe it's King Agrippa. Yep, King Agrippa. And he's talking a little bit about his testimony. Brother Parker already mentioned about how important our testimony is and how important it is that we, we, we know and are able to share our testimony. And so Paul did this throughout his ministry. And so Paul, starting in verse 13 of Acts 26, says, And at midday, O king, I saw in the way a light uh, from heaven above the brightness of the sun shining round about me and them which journeyed with me. And when we were fallen to the earth, I heard a voice speaking unto me, saying in the Hebrew tongue, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And I said, Who art thou, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. But rise and stand on thy feet, for I have appeared unto thee for this purpose, to make thee a minister and a witness, both of these things which thou hast seen, and of those things which I will appear, things in which, in the which I will appear unto thee, delivering thee from the people and from the Gentiles unto whom I will send thee. To open, now here's what Paul's ministry was. And, you know, Paul tells us in one place, follow me as I follow Christ. Didn't he say that? And so we're, we're trying, our desire should be to, to follow after Paul, like he said, to know nothing save Jesus Christ and him crucified, right? To open the eyes, to open their eyes, 
Who are, who's he talking to? Whose eyes? The lost people. The Gentiles. The Jews, right? He, he took them away from them so he could send them back to them. That's what it said. He, he had to get him away so that he can get Paul in a relationship with him so that Paul could listen to the voice of God and do what, what God told him to do and say what God told him to say. Right? Because that's all Paul did in his ministry. He just listened to the voice of God and did what he went where God told him to go. When he tried to go to one place, he said, no, don't go there. The Holy Ghost did go here. And so, so Paul had to learn to listen to the voice of God. And so this is what, what the Lord was telling him. He said, you're, I'm sending you to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan unto God. So from the power of Satan unto the power of God, right? That they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that is in me. The same faith that's in Paul. Whereupon, O King Agrippa, I was, dis- I was not disobedient unto the heavenly vision, but showed first unto them of Damascus and Jerusalem and throughout the coast of Judea and them to the Gentiles that they should repent and turn to God and do the works meet for repentance. So Paul's life was no longer his own, was it? it? It just was no longer his own. Doesn't the Bible say, I'm, Paul might have said it, it, we are not our own, right? We're bought with a price. And if you're bought, he didn't sell you back yet. You're still his. Which means that he, you're, you're the slave. And he's the master. And, and we're like that slave in the Old Testament that, that the master was going to let him go. And, and he said, no, I don't want to leave. Let's go over to this post over here on the front door post. And, I'm, and let's take an awl and, and punch a hole in my ear and mark me so that I'm, I'm yours forever. Is what that servant said. I don't ever want to leave you, master. I love my master. I don't ever want to leave him. And that's what Paul said. And Paul said this, Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God, how unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. And Paul wrote that because that was true. Because as much as Paul searched, as much as Paul prayed, you know, Paul, you have to think about this for a minute. Paul didn't have a Bible. Okay? He didn't have an iPad. He didn't, he didn't, there was no Bible, right? All Paul had was the knowledge that he had been taught as a Jew. All those scriptures and all that Jesus had taught him through visions and dreams and all the time that he spent with Jesus. So all Paul had to go on was all of that. And he had searched and searched and searched and, and there, there was no way that he could get to that wisdom. Even in the book of Ecclesiastes, Chapter 8 and verse 17, Solomon says this, Then I beheld all of the work of God that a man cannot find out the work that is done under the sun. Because thou, because though a man labor to seek it out, yet he shall not find it. Yea, further, though a wise man think to know it, yet shall he not be able to find it. You can't know 
the depths of the things of God unless he allows you to know it. Right? Jeremiah 29.11 says, For I know the thoughts that I think toward you. Thoughts, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you an expected end. And amplified it says, For I know the plans and thoughts that I have for you says the Lord, plans of peace and well-being and not for a disaster to give you a future and a hope. When, why was that scripture written? Do you know when, you know what happened right before Paul, but right before the prophet wrote that scripture? The people of Israel had just been taken, they were getting ready to be taken into exile for 70 years when the prophet wrote that. And guess who went with them? Jeremiah. He got to go with them. So God in his mercy sent a man of God with them into exile. So wherever you go, wherever we go in this thing, whatever happens, there's always going to be a man of God somewhere. Somebody. It might not be an official licensed minister, but God's going to send somebody that's got a word for you that's going to be there. He's not going to leave his church forsaken. Amen? So it's all about desire, isn't it? It's all about desiring to know. I got a desire. There's got a, there's a desire that God put in me when I got filled with the Holy Ghost and baptized in Jesus' name. And I have had to maintain that desire ever since. The desire, the natural desire and love for my wife that was there when we first met, it, I, I couldn't just, just go off of that initial desire and then just never never do anything with it, never further it in any way, never nurture it in any way, and expect it to maintain, to be there, right? We, we've had to nurture that desire for each other throughout our entire marriage. And we still have to to this day, and we, we don't ever get to stop. And it's the same with our relationship with God. We don't ever get to stop nurturing that desire. And how do we do that? Spending time with each other. Spending time with the Lord. This, Lord, I know this is what your word says. I, I just read it. But w- is there something deeper to this? Is there something in this for me? Do you have a word? The, and the Bible uses the word rhema to refer to that word. And to me, what rhema is, is God taking the, the logos, the, the forever settled word that's in our Bibles, and he's applying it to my life personally. He's given me a word from him, from his spirit, and saying to me, this is how I want you to apply this to your life. This is where I want you to go. Based on what this says in Logos, this is how I want you to do this. And I got to have a, I better have a, a, a desire to spend time with him and to shut my mouth and listen to what God's saying so that I can know when he's saying that. You know, the Bible, in the Bible it says that my sheep hear my voice and they know my voice. Do we know his voice. Because the Bible says in that same scripture, they won't listen to the voice of another. So how does the sheep, how do sheep, really natural sheep, how do they know the difference between the shepherd saying something to them and somebody else? It's kind of the same thing as a dog. If if, if I have a dog and I raise that dog and, that, and I teach those the commands to that dog, 
Somebody else that doesn't have my voice might be able to say those commands, but that dog's not going to listen, right? Because that, that's not who, I'm not, they're not the master, I am, right? And so we got to know that voice, and we got a desire to know that voice, and it's got to be something that we work on, just like our relationships with our family and our, our kids and our wife. And, and every, every day we do something to nurture that. We spend time with people on the phone or we text them or we do whatever. I know my mom knows that I love her, but i got to call her every now and then and tell her. She knows that I'm not going to ever stop loving her, but I still got to call her and tell her I still got to nurture that relationship, even though she's my mother. Right? Paul says in Philippians, and I'm bringing this to a close, and I'm going to read this out of the Amplified, if that's okay. Philippians chapter 3, verse 7 through 12. Philippians chapter 3, verse 7 through 12 says, But whatever former things were gained to me, as I thought then, these things once regarded as advancements in merit, I have come to consider as loss, absolutely worthless, for the sake of Christ and the purpose which he has given my life. Paul had his own purpose, but God came into his life and gave him a whole new purpose. And he's saying, all that stuff I did before means nothing. But more than that, I count everything as loss compared to the priceless privilege and supreme advantage of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord and growing more deeply and thoroughly acquainted with him a joy unequaled. Is that how your relationship is with the Lord? Was it, is that a good description of where you are in your relationship with God? If it's not, then you just need to work on it. For his sake, I have lost everything, and, and I consider it all garbage so that I may gain Christ and may be found in him, believing and relying on him, not having any righteousness of my own derived from my obedience to the law and its rituals, but possessing that genuine righteousness which comes through faith in Christ Jesus, the righteousness which comes from God on the basis of faith. Paul had lived his life on his own righteousness. Paul had lived his life on his own religious traditions and all the things that he'd been taught. And now he's sitting here saying, none of that matters. I wasted my time with all of that. None of it matters. And verse 10 says, and this, I love this scripture right here. And because, and, he, and so he's saying, and this, meaning because of all of this that I just said, so that I may know him experientially, becoming more thoroughly acquainted with him, understanding the remarkable wonders of his person more completely, and in the same, in that same way, experience the power of his resurrection. That in the in the King James is that I may know him in the power of his resurrection, right? Which overflows and is active in believers, and that I may share the fellowship of his sufferings. Well, that's a that's a really hard prayer to pray. Father, let me share in the fellowship of your sufferings. Because what did he what did Jesus suffer? Man. You know, be careful what you pray for. But you know, Paul, he suffered. He was beaten. He was bruised. He was shipwrecked and all those things, right? 
the fellowship of his sufferings, being continually conformed. Wow. Inwardly into his likeness, even to the, his death, dying as he did. It's my desire, church. It should be your desire to be, to want to be inwardly conformed every day. Is there ever a point in time where that, that conforming to his image ever stops? Do we ever reach a place where we're done? We can just step to the side and say, all right, Lord, I'm, I'm all conformed now. Let somebody else get in line. Nope. Everybody, most people are shaking their head no like this because we never get to that place, right? Until one day. Until we hear those words. Well done, thou good and faithful servant, right? So that I may attain to the resurrection that will raise me from the dead. Not that I have already obtained it, this goal of being Christ-like, or have already been made perfect. But I actively press on so that I may take hold of that perfection or that maturity, right? For which Christ Jesus took hold of me and made me his own. I like that part right there. He made us his own. We didn't find him. He found us. He saved us. He delivered us. Just like Paul, he's got a plan for us. So it behooves us in that relationship that we have with him to find out where, what is your plan for my life, God? If, if you were to overlay, and I, I mentioned this in the previous past, that if you were to take your plan for me and overlay it on top of what my plan is for me, would they match? <laughs> and if they don't, if we were allowed to see that before, before that day, that great and glorious day of judgment, if we were allowed to see that, what would we do right now? Knowing that we aren't in the, we're not even near the plan of God for our life. Amen? It's my desire to know. It needs to be our desire to know. Not just to know what the words in this book say. Not just to know what the, what the translators of the King James Bible said. I want to know. I don't know about you, but I want to know. God, you know, beyond what the translators said in this book that I, that I reverence and I read every day, what are you saying? What is it, what is it really saying to me? I want to know. I want my relationship to be with you so in, in deep and so in depth that when, that you can tell me things that, that are hard to hear and I'll receive them because it's you telling me. Right? It's not fun to be disciplined, is it? And you think discipline stops when you leave your house? And being from being a kid, you better. <laughs> I'm 61 years old in July, and I'm still being disciplined at work and everywhere else. It never stops. I don't ever want there to come a time where somebody can't tell me, hey, you might need to think about doing things a different way. Because I'm not, I'm not going to take the attitude I've arrived. Okay? I'm not there yet. 
but by the grace and mercy and, and love of God, I'm getting there because I'm desiring to know. I'm not satisfied with where I'm at right now, and you shouldn't be either. Why did, why did God let those, the Bible says that God sent a messenger of Satan to buffet Paul. He sent it. Like, like a, an Amazon package. Paul, Paul was sent a gift. And he, he, Paul said it, a messenger of Satan to buffet me. Why? He explains why in that scripture. Because God was giving him great revelation and understanding of what the Word of God said. Depths of things that, that no man had ever been told. And the, the reason that God gave that messenger of Satan to buffet Paul was so that he might not be elevated in his mind above measure. Why did he have to do that to Paul? I don't know. But I think because Paul had had that time in his life where he was that zealous, know-it-all, he knew everything about everything, and he was he was going to help the Jewish religion by getting rid of all these Christians, right? And he was so zealous, and he was out there doing all this stuff, and I think God knew that there was a potential in Paul to fall back to that, right? So he was helping Paul by sending him this messenger of Satan because God was going to give Paul some revelations and some things that were just going to blow his mind. And so he didn't want him... Does that happen today? Does God give revelation to men and they sort of take it upon themselves and they think, look what I learned. And they, they, they get, they get out of the will of God because they let that go to their head, right? Tell me that doesn't happen. It does happen. So our goal, my goal, I can't speak for you. But my goal and purpose in life, and it hasn't always been this way. I, I can honestly tell you that, that it, you know, I was a new convert once and it's taken, a, it's taken a while for the Lord to get me to this place, but he's gotten me here by his grace and mercy. God has brought me to a place through circumstances, situations, through things that men have preached. God has, has molded and made and moved my life in such a way that he's brought me to some things and some understandings, and I don't want to ever be satisfied. I feel like I don't even feel like anywhere close to being a Bible scholar. But if, if you ask some people, they think I am. What a letdown they're going to mean for. <laughs> but, but I don't ever want to be satisfied with the depth of, of things that I know and understand about God. I know there's more. And it's all about my relationship. It's all about desiring to know, not for the sake of knowing, Brother Wayne, so that I can say, look how much knowledge I've got. I want to know because I need it to be saved. I want to know because somebody else that God's going to bring me in contact with needs it. They need me to be have a right spirit and a right attitude and be humble when I bring this gospel to them in a Bible study at work or whatever they need, I need to be right with God in my relationship. I don't need to be haughty and lifted up and think I know everything. But I need to know that I'm in connection with God. So when I'm in those situations and circumstances, and some of them are just going to pop up like that, and you're only going to have a moment, I better be, be able to know the voice of God 
to speak only what he says to say and not just run my mouth and ruin it for somebody. Because there are souls. God's not on lockdown. He's still in the soul-saving business. And he, we are his vessels. And he, he knows. He knows that we're being restricted. He knows. He, he'll work around that. He is working around that, right? There are hungry people out there. They just, they don't know how to say the words, I need to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. They don't even know what they're looking for. But they know they're empty and they're looking for something. And so we need to be that person, that apostolic, that, that, that Christian that's got that relationship. And we can take that like Paul did and just take that and share that with somebody else. Because it's, it's not ours. Is it, Sister Linda? It's not ours. Freely we have received. Freely give. Doesn't mean you have to be a know-it-all. It just means you just, if you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, trust me when I tell you this. If you really, really, really have a deep relationship with Jesus Christ, you won't have to tell anybody. They will know. They'll feel it. Because when you walk with the Spirit, they're going to feel that first before they ever see you or feel you. Like somebody described it like this. It's like the bow of a ship. The bow of a ship pushes. A ship displaces water. So the bow of that ship displaces that water so that it can move through the water. It doesn't just push it out. It just displaces it. Well, where does it go? To the back. Right? And so that's how we need to be. As we walk with God's Spirit, as we walk in in that relationship with Him, it's going to be very apparent, and things are going to just move out of the way. Spirits and things are just going to, I just believe this, we're going to move out of the way when we walk in a room because we walk so close to the Lord. Have you ever felt that? You remember being, before you were in church, you ever Remember feeling that around you were around somebody that walked close to God and you could just feel it. Anybody besides me, you could just feel it. It was there and you you couldn't explain it and and I'm just I'm not going to ramble on anymore. But Father, we love you today. Lord, make it our desire to have your desire that you put in us to be the thing that we seek for and when then. Cause us, oh God, to, to turn ourselves to you, Father. Cause us to desire to know the deep things of God. Cause us to desire to know your will and your purpose for our lives today, God. Cause us to desire to know. Jesus, what is the length and breadth and height and depth of your will and plan and purpose for us, Lord? And help us to find that place and to get in it, Father. That's that desire that we can take that thing that you've given us and that we can share that with somebody else. This world is lost, and they don't know where they're going. They don't know what to do, Father, but we have the way. Lord, lead us to them. Lead them to us today, Father, in the name of Jesus, and cause us to be so deeply entrenched in our relationship with you, Lord Jesus, that we know the words to speak and the things to say and how that we might lead that soul to a place, Lord Jesus, where they can become that Christian, that person, that have that relationship with you, just like we have today, Father. Give us that desire and that hope 
and that knowledge today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, praise God. Amen. It's been a pleasure to minister to you today, and I appreciate everybody coming. Oh, so I guess somebody maybe has a birthday here somewhere. Who's got a birthday? I don't know. I anybody this month come on don't be shy time and chance happen to all men anybody out there on the airwaves well I think maybe somebody might be standing out there (laughs) so let's sing a happy birthday to them today well, happy birthday to you, a happy birthday to you. May you feel Jesus near every day of the year. A happy birthday to you, a happy birthday to you. And the best year you've ever had. Oh, a happy anniversary to you, a happy anniversary to you. May you feel Jesus near every day of the year. A happy anniversary to you. A happy anniversary to you. And the best year you've ever had. The anniversary of the Army is June 14th. Hallelujah. (laughs) (laughs) Father, thank you for each one of us today. Pray your covering upon us. Your mighty hand, your outstretched arm, Lord, lead and guide and direct us. Keep us, Father. Show us your way. Show us a hungry soul, a hungry heart. Lord, give us a a sensitivity to your spirit that we can speak a word to them, Father. There are still souls that need to be saved. There's still a harvest that needs to be harvested, Father. Use us as your vessels for your mighty work and your mighty power. Let it be operative in our lives today and always. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Wednesday.